I'm now joined by Jeff Sherman, Deputy Chief Investment Officer at Double Line Capital, who back in April, they launched their first two ETFs. These are both actively managed. The Double Line Opportunistic Bond ETF, ticker symbol DBND, and the Double Line Schiller Cape U.S. Equities ETF, ticker Cape, fantastic ticker symbol, which together these already have about $120 million in assets, by the way, which is pretty good. Now, of course, with Double Line, you're talking about an asset manager with well over $100 billion in assets. So here's yet another very large asset manager getting directly involved in the ETF space. And I now have Jeff on the line with me. Jeff, it's a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, good morning, Nate, and thanks for uh, having me today. So, Jeff, anytime I see a larger, uh, well-known name brand asset manager enter the ETF space, I'm always very interested in hearing the backstory. So I thought to start, can you just talk about the decision-making here, why DoubleLine decided to get directly involved in ETFs? And I know you've sub-advised on some ETFs, but why get directly involved now? Right. So we uh, partnered with State Street back in 2014 to launch our first actively managed ETF, and it's under the Spider brand, and, and that's under the ticker TOTL, um, and that's the Double Line Total Return Tactical Strategy. And we entered into the ATF space under sub-advisory because we wanted to partner with the best-in-class uh, partner that knows how to administer uh, ETFs and taught us a lot about the landscape. And so we have a great relationship with Straight State Street. We still run uh, over two billion dollars of assets in the total return, uh, in the TOTL strategy, and we actually subadvise three ETFs under the Spider brand. Um, but as time goes on, we wanted to be able to also offer other strategies, which potentially could compete uh, in the space with the Spider brand. And so again, the, the goal here is not to cannibalize anything on the State Street relationship, but be able to offer what we what we deem as strategies that are needed in the marketplace. And so coming into the space uh, on the equity side with CAPA, and thanks for the, uh, the kudos on the ticker name there, uh, that, that's, a, that's an actively managed or that's a, a, a systematic strategy that we actively manage as well under the uh, advisor shares model, uh, but also to offer our bond offerings that has a little bit more flexibility than what we have uh, in the TOTL product. So again, um, it's a different product. It's differentiated. And over time, we may launch other products as we see investor demand in the ETF space. Well, let's look at these first two ETFs, and then perhaps we can come back to some of the future plans that uh, DoubleLine has in store. So the first ETF is the DoubleLine Opportunistic Bond ETF. Just take us through the strategy here. What, what is this designed to do? What does this hold? Yeah, so th this is a strategy that's supposed to sit in the intermediate term space. Uh, you can think of it as a core plus strategy if you want to use the lexicon from the institutional world. But what the goal here is to be able to outperform the Barclays U.S. Aggregate Index over time, uh, hopefully do it in, a, in a, a period or a process that will give you volatility around the ag, but do so in being tactical and being able to invest globally across all sectors of the fixed income marketplace. So the goal is you start with the Barclays Ag, you look at kind of the risk profile of what that uh, is trying to achieve. And remember, the Barclays U.S. Aggregate is an investment-grade only index. So it has a lot of interest rate risk in it. Uh, it's very focused on U.S. assets. And so as a, as a client or an end user of ETFs, you want to open up the space and be able to invest in things that are also outside of that index. And so our process is one that we've been using for many decades. 
um, back at our former employer and for over 12 years here at DoubleLine, where we use our asset allocation committee uh, to uh, try to identify what are the best opportunities on a risk-adjusted basis through the various sectors of the global fixed income marketplace. So unlike the Barclays U.S. aggregate, which just focuses on treasuries, agency mortgages, and, and investor-grade corporate bonds, this ETF has the ability to also buy below investment-grade bonds, bank loans, uh, in emerging market debt, non-dollar debt that's uh, denominated outside the U.S. Uh, we can buy uh, asset-backed securities, CLOs, uh, commercial mortgages. And so what you see here is it opens up the opportunity set and gives the potential to, live, to deliver a higher return than the aggregate, but also be able to risk manage those uh, exposures and integrate them across the portfolio. I know it uh, comes down to the, the type of investor, but h- how do you see this being used in a portfolio? And the way I'll, I'll frame that is the benchmark for the CTF is the ag, but you mentioned this is a core plus strategy. So as I think about where somebody might own this, is you view this like as a replacement for a U.S. aggregate bond ETF? Does it complement something like that? How do you see this being used in a portfolio? Yeah, I mean, we view it as a replacement for the ag, um, because again, uh, the ag is not something that's actively managed. Uh, you're at the mercy of the issuance of both the U.S. government, um, the agency mortgage market, and as well as corporate America. So as there's larger amounts of issuance of those securities, it becomes a larger percentage of the index. And so it's something that, you know, uh, fixed income investors should think about is that the larger indebted a company is or, or the government is, the larger the percentage of exposure you have. And that's, that's really antithetical to think of the credit quality of someone, right? Uh, the more you borrow, the better you know, or the larger the allocation should be in an index. And so we think that by, uh, by uh, actively managing a strategy and being able to identify different opportunities, it gives you the ability to try to outperform that, that part of the market. So as an end investor, what you're trying to do is deliver high-risk-adjusted returns for your client. And so, again, this has guardrails around it. It's not going to be 100% emerging market debt, or it's just going to turn into a bank loan portfolio. But it's identifying these credit opportunities, but also being able to get some exposure to that risk-off type of asset that's government-guaranteed. So, again, this is a process that we use across all of our strategies um, at DoubleLine, where we we try to risk-integrate across the credit sectors, uh, across the the risk kind of off-sectors from from the treasury market. And so by combining those exposures, we think you can have a smoother experience over time and the potential to generate higher returns. So again, uh, as with all actively managed fixed income, uh, we think that this is a perfect uh, substitute for those that don't want to be just at the mercy of the issuance of the government and the investment grade corporate bond market. And just out of curiosity, are you running a highly similar strategy on the mutual fund side? I would assume so, given this is a core plus strategy, but is there a mutual fund counterpart that maps pretty closely to the CTF? Yes, there, yes, there is. And, and they have different risk and return objectives. And, and this, this uh, ETF, DBND, uh, is expected to have a little bit higher of a risk profile than, than our publicly available mutual fund. But uh, if you look at our publicly available mutual fund that's comparable, it's a doubling core fixed income strategy. And so this is kind of a core plus, so we expect to have recycle a little bit higher uh, excess return, potentially a little bit higher tracking error or volatility. Uh, but DBLFX is the double line core fixed income fund, and it's uh, around a $10 billion mutual fund today. So this is something that clients uh, use extensively in their portfolios. Uh, but again, we wanted to offer something that's a little differentiated. Again, it's a differentiated from TOTL as well. 
but be able to give people access to the ETF market. And so our client base has, has really reached out to us and said, we want to use ETFs on a go-forward basis. And so that's the reason for the development of DBNT. I want to ask you about the equity ETF here in a minute, but uh, Jeff, just given I know uh, your fixed income prowess and certainly Double Line's fixed income prowess overall, I have to ask you about the current environment. And listeners right. of this podcast, look, they know I've been saying for a while that fixed income is the most challenging area of a portfolio. Now, I, I think you can make the case that maybe things have gotten a little bit easier since the beginning of the year just because rates have come up. Uh, but what should be a few key considerations for bond investors right now? Like what should be front of, front of mind as an investor looks at the bond allocation in their portfolio? Yeah, I mean, you need to know how much credit risk you have in your portfolio, and you need to know how much interest rate risk you have in your portfolio. It sounds very It can be very complex. And so the idea in the fixed income market today is it's really under pressure from this higher inflationary environment than, than we've seen in really 40 years. And so a lot of investors have not experienced this high level of inflation and the volatility that's transcending through the bond market today. And so what you see in the bond market, what's driving rates, is that you have kind of two factors, and I call them push and pull. Uh, what you have is the pull down from potentially uh, the slower growth environment. Uh, because of the higher inflation, uh, people are worried about there being some kind of stagflation or a lower growth environment. So what that's done is moderate interest rates. However, you get the pull of, sorry, you get the push effect from what we see from inflation today. And this is investors being very concerned about this high level of inflation. And when, what, what really drives rates here, too, is the, the Federal Reserve. And so the Fed is, is very concerned about the interest rate environment we're in today. And so these high levels of inflation are causing a push higher in rates as well because the Fed is also going to react to that function and raise rates as well. So we're not through the hiking regime. I know that the market had calmed down a little bit post the last FOMC meeting. But what you find is that you saw the Fed governors really talk up the market and say, no, we're going to continue to hike. And so uh, I think the, the goal of the Fed right now is to have tighter financial conditions, which means more volatility. It means higher interest rates. And it also means more volatility in credit spreads. But this also, as you point out, presents a very nice opportunity where investors, let's say, uh, a year ago um, were bidding high-yield bonds down to the, the double B component, the high-yield bond market, which is the highest quality of the investment uh, below investment-grade area. That market yielded you know, in the, in the mid-threes last year. Today, the Treasury market yields nearly that amount on the front end of the yield curve. So there's a big opportunity set out there where investors – can position portfolios today, um, earn yield in the marketplace that's 4 5 6% on a lot of these asset types that are relatively high quality. So the repricing of the bond market gives you an opportunity on a future basis to potentially be able to now generate real returns. And when I say real returns, that's outstrip inflation. So uh, if you look at a portfolio on, let's say, a two-year basis right now, and you believe you can put something together that has a diversified credit mix, uh, has some offset to the risk-off assets like treasuries and agency RMBS, what you find is that you can, you can do that and potentially be able to actually generate a real positive return. And that's because the inflation expectations are set over the next two years. The bond market, uh, the pricing of it, thinks it's going to be sub-3. It's actually 2.8% or so today. So if the bond market's right on the inflation forecast, um, there's a really good opportunity to yield um, something that's significantly more than inflation, which is something we haven't seen in many years. 
So from the standpoint of thinking about the fixed income marketplace, you need to be calculated. Uh, you need to be very careful in it today. But also, we uh, and this is talking our own book, but uh, we think you need to be very active in that. So you need to sell into some strength. You need to buy into some weakness. You need to be very tactical about that and understand the risks that are sitting within your fixed income allocation. I think that is really well said. It's just interesting. In my prior segment, we were talking about uh, ETF flows. And if you look at the flows into fixed income ETFs this year, and even more recently, you can see the confusion in the marketplace where investors aren't quite yeah. sure what to do. You see flows into longer duration treasury ETFs. You see, you see flows into shorter duration yeah. bond ETFs all across the, uh, the credit spectrum. It's interesting. Yeah, and I think what you're finding there in that flow data, and, and that's something that we use in our analysis, not just fundamentals, but you, you've got to follow the money and understand where that flow is. And so where you've seen bond flows in the last couple of months, as you said, it's on the front end of the yield curve because, look, it yields about 320 on, on, on two-year treasury. So not a bad trade to not have a lot of interest rate risk. But also that long-duration asset, as you said, is historically been that risk-off part of the yield curve. And that's something we have in our portfolios a little bit. We have some of that long bond. Even though we think interest rates can push up a little bit from here, it's the what if we're wrong scenario and what if we actually get that, that recession that some people are forecasting. And so I think that what you said, that confusion out there in the marketplace is because um, it, it's, a, it's a volatile environment and we don't think it gets any easier over the next couple of months. And that's because the Fed is going to continue to hike uh, into this environment. And also what you're going to see is that liquidity is going to drain a little bit out of the system, which is the goal of the Fed through their quantitative tightening program. So I think what you're finding with investors is that they're trying to figure out how to manage this situation. And it is one of these unprecedented environments where the Fed's trying to roll off $95 billion a month off their balance sheet, which is a significant reduction in liquidity in the market. So that's why we think it's going to be a little choppy. Uh, you need to be very tactical in this environment, and you need to be patient as well. So I think that's what you see with investors is that they're kind of spraying money around the parts of the market to try to build that diversification. And that's something that, that we're doing inside of one single wrapper with DBND. All right, let's briefly move to the equity side, which I'm not sure that's uh, any less challenging at this uh, point in time. So the other ETF that Double Line launched is the Schiller Cape U.S. Equities ETF. Um, do you, do you want to just briefly explain this one? What, what does this do? Yeah, so this is a large-cap U.S. equity strategy, uh, which focuses on trying to do sector rotation within the cheapest parts of the U.S. large-cap space. So this is something that we do offer a comparable product uh, in the mutual fund space, which is the Double Line Schiller Enhanced Cape. Uh, we try to enhance that return uh, a little bit in the mutual fund structure, and that's the ticker DSEEX. DSEEX is, is the actively managed mutual fund. And so what, what's, in, what's in the ETF wrapper is it's essentially thinking about sector rotation. So what it does is it uses Professor Schiller's CAPE ratio to assess the, the valuation within the sectors of the U.S. market. So you can think about how people use the CAPE ratio at the overall market level to assess whether the market is cheap or rich. Well, the same thing can be applied to sectors of the market. And so that's exactly uh, what Professor Schiller worked on to, to help identify this type of strategy. And, and, and what you do is you, you look at each sector's CAPE ratio and you compare each sector's ratio to its historical average. And so this, this levels the playing field of valuation uh, where, you know, historically, you know, we know tech trades at a higher multiple than something like utilities. And so this allows you to give a comparability to say, where does this sector trade today relative to some of its historical trading ranges. And by doing so, what you can do 
is identify what are what are the cheapest parts of the market. So it's not only buying things that are cheap relative to history, but you're identifying what are the cheapest segments of the market. So there's 11 sectors identified by GICs uh, of the large cap U.S. equity space. Think the S&P 500. Um, and of those 11 sectors, each month it is, uh, identifies what are the cheapest spots. You apply a momentum filter to that to kick out um, the, the sector that has the worst one-year total return. And why you do that is you're trying to avoid that value trap. That is something that's cheap, but getting cheaper just has bad breadth within the marketplace. You have four sectors of the market, and that's where you want to allocate to. And so this is a strategy we've ran in the open-ended mutual fund space. Um, where in, in the mutual fund, what we actually do is we access all of this through derivatives. We do swaps, free up all the cash, and allow us to build a bond portfolio and overlay that exposure. In the ETF, you're just getting this direct equity exposure in the marketplace. So that's the differentiation between the mutual fund and this ETF. And we've seen a lot of investors, especially with some of the challenges in the equity market, as you mentioned, uh, adopt the KPTF already um, as they like the strategy. They've seen it before. Um, and they want it in a more, uh, hopefully, a more tax-efficient wrapper. And so, uh, as you mentioned, there's been significant interest in this KPTF over the first uh, five months of the life of it. One thing I'm curious about, obviously, this ETF is leaning heavily on the Schiller uh, index methodology, but this is an yes. actively managed product. So can you just explain that component? Where does the active management come yeah. into play here? Yeah, so the active, the active management is being able to try to uh, get that tax efficiency. So uh, we're essentially trying to replicate this index. It's done in a semi-transparent wrapper uh, to protect the IP of that overall index. And, and again, just not leak that out to the world so you don't get picked off or front run from that side. So the semi-transparent wrapper is something that uh, really got us excited about the ETF space to launch this. So uh, when we partnered with Barclays uh, back in 2013 uh, to offer this, this process, we were very, very cognizant of the value of the IP, right, the, the methodology. And so we were very hesitant to want to release this out into an ETF wrapper. But with the prevalence of the semi-transparent methodology, uh, it allows us to kind of protect that IP uh, in the marketplace where it's not just slipping around. So people don't know exactly what we're doing. When I say people, the APs and market makers aren't out there. Uh, they don't know exactly what it looks like. And so the active management comes from the uh, essentially trying to manage the tax side as well as uh, owning the underlying securities. And so we have discretion about that. Again, we're not taking views on those securities, but again, trying to have that tax efficiency, uh, being able to do in-kind versus cash. Um, so th there's a lot of different things that you can do to help manage that structure. And that's where the active component comes in. So uh, again, to date, we've been able to, to uh, create this product We've been able to really see some success from the client base. And so we think that, um, you know, this, this wrapper, this semi-transparent methodology is very, very useful. And so we're happy to, to license that from Presidian. Uh, and uh, ultimately, we think that this, this methodology is something that really protects the intellectual property uh, behind Professor Schiller's methodology. A question that raises for me, I know the opportunistic bond ETF that offers the usual uh, daily transparency that's a traditional ETF wrapper. Yes. And to your point, the, the KPTF is using that Presidian semi-transparent structure. Why the distinction here? Is it just that the bond market is much more opaque and so you're not quite as concerned about getting front run or, or you know, what, what's the difference? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, if you open up the holdings of DBND, and as you mentioned, it's, it's daily transparency, so you see exactly what the portfolio was last night. 
and just open the portfolio. And most investors won't be able to go and access those securities, especially in things that we, we have a, what we think we have an edge in, uh, like securitized products. So the, uh, to go out and rebuild and replicate that portfolio is going to be much more expensive to the end investor than being able to uh, just access it through DBND. Uh, also, the same thing holds for market makers and APs out there um, that, you know, again, to, to replicate the entire portfolio, uh, it's just more cost effective to be out there. So you're correct that we're not concerned about being front run in the bond market. And also, this is something if you look at like TOTL, STOT, EMTL, the, um, the things that we sub-advise from State Street, they have daily transparency as well. So we've gotten very comfortable with that over the last eight years, and we haven't seen any instances of, of uh, the market trying to take advantage of that. So, again, uh, especially as the funds grow and we hold more securities, we just don't think uh, that there's really that, that, uh, there's that front-running or anything in the marketplace. The problem with the, the KPTF is that we also have a publicly available mutual fund, uh, we run this for separate account clients as well, and so we don't want those clients to be front run as well. So, uh, because the uh, Cape, um, when we run like the mutual fund and we do this all through derivatives, uh, we're essentially trading things at the close. So we don't want um, people to know exactly what that looks like. And with the ETF, because it's doing things intraday, and there's the ability for the APs to see that, that was something that caused us concern over time, which was the hesitancy of us to launch this uh, previous to uh, 2022 and really getting comfortable with that active shares model. So again, there's a key distinction there. But what you find is that liquidity in the marketplace, when you look at our bid offer spread, uh, you look at how they trade, both products trade with a similar bid offer spread. So they're relatively tied to the industry. I credit our lead market makers for doing that as well. And again, just people understanding the way that we run money at DoubleLine helps those things trade better for the end client. Jeff, just a couple of minutes left here. I said we'd circle back around to Double Line's uh, future ETF plans. Can you tell us anything about the uh, the Double Line ETF roadmap, even if not specific strategies, just how you plan on approaching the ETF space overall? Yeah, well, we're very methodical when we roll products out. And so if you look at our mutual fund lineup, um, you know, we have roughly 20 products out there, and it's taken us 12 years to get to have those 20 products. So um, what you'll find is that with the ETF, we're looking to kind of have a similar roadmap. And so when I say similar, uh, we're going to wait for client demand. So when we launched our mutual fund business, we started with two mutual funds. We, we rolled out one or two a year um, just as we saw client demand. And so the idea behind the ETF platform is to see what clients want from DoubleEye. And so what we've done is we've hired a capital market specialist to help us trade, uh, again, to help tighten up that liquidity, uh, good relationships across the street. Uh, we've we've uh, hired a couple of dedicated salespeople who are focusing on this area. So uh, as you would expect with what you've seen with us with Double Line in the past, the idea here is not to throw 40 products at the wall and just see what happens. Um, so you're likely not to see us uh, uh, launch like thematic ETFs. We'll leave that to other people to provide that. But where we have an, uh, an advantage or where we think we have the skill set is what we'll launch things in. And so the roadmap right now is to see if we have success with these two products, see if there's investor demand, talk to our clients, talk to prospects about this. And over time, you will see more ETF offerings. And so uh, when we were hiring people for this process, I said, look, it's a three to five year roadmap. That's the runway. Um, and maybe we only have two products over that period. But the goal is to be successful, to have commercial success, to for our end clients to feel good about it, have financial success. And so through a cycle, 
that's what we try to do. So will you see more offerings in the ETF space? It's very likely. Um, it may not be in 2022, uh, but potentially in 2023, you may see the third ETF offering. So uh, over time, we want to flush out you know, our, land, uh, our, our product offerings, and we want to make sure that, again, it's something that clients want. So the way we develop products at DoubleLine is that it's something that we want to invest in, uh, our clients want to invest in, but there needs to be demand, right? You can create great products, but if no one wants it, there's no reason to launch them into the, into the ETF space. So we'll be very calculated with them, and we're excited to be in the space. Uh, you know, I'm really glad that uh, the market has really adopted these so far, and uh, we feel there is the commercial success. And so we want to do is continue to focus on what we do best, and that is be an investment manager. Run money, uh, do, the, do the products that we like to run, but also that we think are helpful to our clients out there. Well, Jeff, really enjoyed the conversation. Congratulations on the uh, new ETFs. Best of luck to you. Personally, I don't think you're going to need it, but best of luck to you. And thank you for joining me. Yeah, many thanks, Nick. I enjoyed the conversation and look forward to doing another one in the future. That was Jeff Sherman, Deputy Chief Investment Officer at DoubleLine.